Chapter 12 of In the Schoolroom. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jairus Amar. In the Schoolroom by John S. Hart. Chapter 12 Eyes. I have spoken much of blackboards, maps, pictorial cards, natural objects, and apparatus of various kinds, as among the urgent wants of the teacher. But there is one thing which he wants more than all these, and that is eyes. A good pair of eyes are to the teacher, in the government of his school, worth more than the rod, more than any system of merit or demerit marks, more than keeping in after school, more than scolding, reporting to parents, suspension or expulsion, more than coaxing, premiums, and bribes in any shape or to any amount. The very first element in school government, as in every other government, is that the teacher should know what is going on in his little kingdom, and for this knowledge he needs a pair of eyes. Most teachers, it is true, seem to be furnished with this article, but it is in appearance only. They have something in the upper part of the face which looks like eyes, but everyone knows that appearances are deceiving. They look over a school or an assembly of any kind, and are vaguely conscious that things are going on wrong all around them, just as some people sometimes grope about in a dark room filled with bats, and are aware that something is flitting about, but they have no power of seeing distinctly any one object. It is amazing how little some people see, who seem to have eyes. The fact is, there is an entirely mistaken notion on this whole subject. Having the eyes open and seeing are two distinct things. Infants have their eyes open, but they do not see anything, in the sense in which that word is generally used. Light comes into those open windows. The moving panorama of external nature passes before them, but distinct vision which recognizes and individualizes objects, is something more than a mere passive bodily sensation. It is a mental act. It is the mind rousing itself into consciousness and putting forth its powers into voluntary and self-determined activity. Nothing in the history of childhood is more interesting than to watch this awakening of the mind in infancy to notice how the whole face brightens up when the little stranger first begins actually to see things. The misfortune with many people is that in this matter of vision they seem never to get beyond the condition of infancy. They go along the street, or they move about in a room, in a sort of dreamy state, their eyes open but seeing nothing. A teacher in this kind, no matter what amount of disorder is going on before him, never sees any one particular act. He sees things in the mass, instead of seeing individual things. The difference between teachers in this faculty of seeing things is more marked probably than any other quality that a man can have. Two teachers may stand before the same class. One will merely be aware that there is a general disorder and noise throughout, being unable to identify any scholar in particular as transgressing. The other will notice that John is talking, that James is pulling his neighbor's hair, that William is drumming on the desk with his fingers, 
that Andrew is munching an apple, that Peter is making caricatures on his slate, and so on. To have this power of seeing things, it is not necessary that one should be sly, or should use stealth of any kind. Knowledge gained by such mean practices never amounts to much, and always lowers a teacher in the estimation of his scholars. It weakens instead of strengthening him. Whatever a teacher does in the way of observation of his scholars should be done openly and above board. And after all, more can be seen in this way, by one who knows how, than by any of the stealthy practices usually resorted to. Darting the eyes about rapidly in one direction and another is not a good way to make discoveries. Seeing is accomplished, not so much by the activity of the bodily organ as by mental activity. The man's mind must be awake. This, in fact, is the secret of the whole matter. The more the face and eyes are quiet, and the mind is on the alert, the more a man will see. Seeing is rather a mental than a bodily act, though of course the bodily organ is necessary to its accomplishment. To be a good observer, one must maintain a quiet and composed demeanor, but be thoroughly wide awake within. End of chapter 12. Recording by Jairus Amar.